Welcome to the Three Hokages podcast, where your hosts, Kay, Kareem, and Hanif. We're going to do a recap of episode nine of Lovecraft Country. Uh, episode title is Tulsa 1921. No, uh, it's not. It was called Rewind 1921. Okay, so I forgot the word rewind. <laughs> Re- okay, Rewind 1921. We're going to do this? <laughs> yeah, we're going to rewind this podcast episode again. And try it one more time. Are we not, I'm not editing this part out either. <laughs> no, leave it in. Leave, yeah, it, leave in. it in. Leave it in. Because this is probably going to be the only lighthearted moment we're going to get to. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it is. It, it really is. You're just like, no. Yeah. But, you know, we're, we're discussing Rewind 1921, episode nine of Lovecraft Country. <laughs> Take it away, Kay. No, we're not. Because Kay, does, Kay doesn't have any great moments in this episode that are not going to leave her rocking back and forth <laughs> well i mean they left us on a cliffhanger of episode eight with um uh, d being assaulted by the jigabobos and her arm being poisoned um fortunately enough they were able to convince christina uh to come and help them uh one thing jumping into that scene where you know ruby's in the um scolding the the other three the trio if you will uh the trinity uh, uh for for you know not taking care of d when Ruby was also supposed to be looking after Dee, but she went over to Christina slash William's house to make herself feel good, uh, AKA Halle Berry. But um, I thought that <laughs> Monster's Ball, come on, you know, it's scene 13 on a DVD. <laughs> okay, so I'm, I'm, I'm gonna just be very honest with you guys and let y'all know, I didn't really watch Monsters Ball. I've only seen one scene of Monsters Ball, but we're gonna. I think just the commercials, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> sure. um, but I digress. Um, yeah, so basically, Christina was able to um, uh, put a, a temporary uh, spell on uh, D, so that way the Jigabobo transformation can, I guess, be suspended for twenty-four hours until they can come up with the rest of the uh, the book of names, and as well as getting get blood from a direct. Uh, relative which would be Hippolyta but at the time Hippolyta is not there um, they do which I thought was really interesting which they do a quick cutaway to um, the police the, the police captain who had placed the curse on D and we thought that he was dead he died during the Shagath or the, the Blogoth the Black Shagath attack from episode 8 but he apparently he was still alive but they now confirm that what we what, uh, K, K was correct everyone know Mark your calendars. Kay was correct on this one. That she, <laughs> that the, the captain was actually using black body parts and black people to heal himself or to make himself stronger. So we see him inside the um, the lodge with the butchered black body, and they were already a- adhered or stapled another black person's uh, torso or skin of his torso uh, to his body to try to heal him. But the wounds from the uh, shagath kept coming through. And I think that was because of the curse that was put on him um, from uh, Christina, if I understand it correctly. But yeah, what she did was when she had when she had Ruby sneak in that protection spell, mm-hmm. the little charm, she she had found a way to make that charm not just because it's it's a protection spell, but also she was able to find a way to pervert her protection spell to make it for evil, to, like it wouldn't heal him as well. So I think yeah. that was like really kind of cool. Yeah, so it was, it was pretty bugged out how she made it keep regenerating his wounds. Um, and even though it was good to see him suffer uh, the way that he did, um, I do wish one of the trio, even D, was able to somehow get their revenge, or at least be aware 
of the the fate that he suffered before he died. Or at least grab some. This is what didn't bother me. Why didn't she like? I know she wasn't going to do it because it wouldn't have benefited her. But could we have at least like gotten some of the blood to use for the ritual to help with them? Maybe but what blood would she be able to use? Because that wasn't a relative. So she's just getting black. Well, no, because the, that's not going to because the spell was still his. So his upper like his head was still his body. His arms are still his body. His torso was not. So I'm like. If you could just get some blood from like, I don't know, stab a needle in his neck, take out some blood, cut his throat, take out some blood. Okay, that sounds gory. But whatever, you know. She wasn't going to do it. She, Christina slash William looks, looks like a, a more hands-off approach kind of person. Plus, there was two other cops there. She wasn't going to be able to, uh, unless she has some kind of more mystical powers where she can attack them. But I don't think they were going to let her just walk up to him and, 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 you know, draw blood and just walk smoothly, walk out. They did look surprised that, you know, you know Christian did uh, appear, but I don't think um, they were going to let her uh, further attack or harm the, the police captain. No, but he just let him, they just let him die and, you know, good, good. watch the life drain out of his face, which is kind of unfortunate because he deserved more pain and suffering. No, well, he did get his ass torn up by the uh, Shagath, though. I was hoping he would turn into one of those things now that he got bit by it. Yeah, that was weird that he didn't. But I guess because whatever protection spell he had on himself while he was out, his own regeneration of immortality, I guess, uh, lim- as limited as it was, prevented that from happening. Or I maybe... I think it would have served Christina's purpose if she was able to heal D without requesting the Book of Names. So even if there was a way to reverse it other than which she told um, Tick and, and Letty. I don't think she would have done it that way. Yeah, probably not. No, I am a little bit tired of the Ruby-Christina uh, combo where, you know, she'll do it for me because I'm Ruby or I'm going to go hang out with Ruby, uh, hang out with Christine. I'm going back with her. You should come too. Leave Tick alone. Like, really? If you, yeah. if it wasn't for her having that Kool-Aid potion or you turn into a white woman, you would you still be hanging out at Christina's house? And the interesting thing is she turned on Letty because she said Letty's only in it for herself. But here is Christina, who is clearly in it for herself, and yet she believes everything Christina tells her. Mm-hmm. At least Letty got her a house. I mean, <laughs> Christina, what has she gotten her? <laughs> yeah, well, Christina turned white, and like, like we said last episode, you know, you'll get yourself a favorable loan at the, uh, the, at the bank downtown on Main Street, and she'll be fine. As long as she has an endless supply of that blood, She'll be good. I mean, realistically, that's not a bad idea. Mm. But at least they did, at least the show did um, clarify who this lady was. She was the groundskeeper, and that was, um, and the reason she's not technically, she's she's not dead because she's basically in a coma because Letty hit her upside the head with the shovel. So that was, that's episode two? Two. Yep. So we have we have some continuity, which is good. Okay. Yeah. I mean, this episode kind of wrapped up the little questions that we all had about certain things, who that lady was that um, Christina that uh, Ruby was turning into, uh, what's her relationship with uh, Christina and William, um, uh, you know, the whole thing with the police captain and and having the the black torso. So we understand that was the purpose of the stone or uh, the rock that Ruby put inside his office. So I like that they were wrapping things up now um, and. As they wrap those things up, new questions uh, uh, appeared. And one of those questions is, how the hell did uh, Hippolyta return back? She looked a little out of sorts, but she 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 came back looking like she's focused and, and not with the shits. 
I know, but can we notice that her book? Can, okay, I know it's a small little detail, mm-hmm. but I'm looking. I was looking at her book bag, and I was like, "That's a leather book bag." Did they have leather book bags back in the fifties? I would think so. I wouldn't. I mean, I, I think they would probably use more leather than they would um, softer fabrics and uh, and like polyesters and stuff. Those are probably more invented later on in, in time. Okay. I mean, I was I just, it wasn't a North Face. She wasn't. She wasn't. She didn't come out come out the portal with North Face and Tim's on. <laughs> Oh, how awesome would that have been? You know, like, and then again, like, I guess, remember how, like, we're always concerned, like, well, where is Hippolyta? Where is Hippolyta? Where is Hippolyta? Why isn't she there for her kid? I'm like, she literally just said it. She was on that other earth for 200 years, our time. So, and then on top of that, Tick's little, they did, well, Tick took the key. So she couldn't necessarily just appear back so easily. True, true. I'm sure they'll, they, they may uh, speak about how she returned. I mean, for all we know, so if she's, she, she was on Earth 504, which sounds like something from out of the uh, Marvel uh, universe, but uh, she, maybe from there she had a spaceship, similar to the spaceship that Dee was drawing in her, her cartoon. And what we saw was um, what we visualized in episode seven, I believe, when she was um, with Garnett and, and that uh, other multiverse, if you will. Oh. Yeah, it's like it, it, it. Maybe that is getting too um, nitpicky. But if she was able to travel right back to that spot, why couldn't she then use it to travel to Tulsa in 1921? Well, I don't think she. Well, yeah, maybe I don't know how she came out. Like she might have been bouncing through time to get back to the right place. Yeah, and she did say that she needs, in order, I guess, in order to get to a certain point, she needs something to focus on. That's why she had to get use Montrose's yes. photo. So, I mean, she has no relative well, that we know of. She has no relatives from Tulsa, from 1921. So, I think it's for her, she might have focused on the thoughts of D or uh, or something like that. Or maybe she has, you no know, her, um, I think she had like an amulet on or like a necklace. So, maybe she just thought of George and, and, and Chicago and she was able to, you know, zip herself back to that timeline. Or, or something. Uh, what I did like, uh, I, know, I know Kay had mentioned it also, was that when they finally get back to the observatory and you know, she says she needs a motherboard and everything like that. And uh, they, obviously these are terminologies that's um, not new to us, but for 1954, 1955 timeline, they don't know what a computer is. They don't know what a motherboard is, but it's nice to see that the mother is the actual motherboard. Um, and for those who are not computer savvy, computer literate, motherboard is a basically it's the board inside of a computer, desktop or laptop that holds everything uh, of importance. You know, whether it's the memory, uh, hard drive, uh, different components that make the computer work is on the motherboard. So that's basically what Hippolyta is uh, for this group, for this trio um, going through. She's the stable thing that, that they all come from. Mm-hmm. And as they go through the portal, that sounds like a heartbeat. <laughs> yeah, I, and, and you, I, yeah. <laughs> you mentioned that, and I think probably the same time you did. I don't know if you were mentally channeling uh, my wife Kirsten, but she she said the same thing. Like the the way it's pulsating, it's like a heartbeat. Like it's so open and closed, and almost like a a heartbeat or, or a valve on the heart. Um, but in looking at the tweets from um, uh, show creator Misha uh, Green, she had mentioned that. Uh, what I was kind of oddly looking at is that the location of the observatory changed. It showed Kentucky. And in the previous episodes, when Hippolyta went out there, it was Kansas. And the GPS, um, that remember we, we had reviewed the GPS, you put it into Google Maps, it comes up in a, in a, like as a vacant 
farmland in Troy, Kansas. So I'm not sure why they didn't decided to change it to Kentucky. She tweeted about it, but it still didn't make much sense because it's, to me, it's just like, I guess it's a production error. Yeah. If anything, um, I don't think it would, it don't, I don't believe it changes the plot. No, it doesn't. I just assume like for me, I was, I was just like, whoever your continuity person for this, for this series mm. was, they made a little gaffe, but those yeah. are the best things in the world. I love gaffes on continuity. Well, maybe they're in a different universe and they can just go down that rabbit hole and say, you know, the first mm. universe, they had them in this state, the second universe, they're in another state. Okay, I can deal with that. Slight yeah. changes have already occurred and we don't and we don't know. I'm good with that. But can well we'll go we'll get to that point. Well the reality is we know they just made a mistake and that's yes. okay. It happens. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it happens in many a movie and TV shows. And at least with now social media, you can kind of interact with the show creators and, and sometimes they'll respond back to us or not just us but anyone uh and give us that information. Cause I I saw it and I was like, I don't know why Kentucky, but I'm still going to watch the show. I don't know why that, that is, but whatever. But in terms of uh, the time traveling, mm-hmm. it, 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 I have to admit, I was stressed um, during this episode. I looked at the time and I said, I can't believe it's only 15, 20 minutes into this episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it feels I saw like that. It's, it's been going on for like maybe an hour. I was like, is it, you know, and I think it's, it's part of it was the dread um, of knowing what was to come. And not knowing exactly how this this episode would capture um, these historical events and tie it into the current storyline. So when Montrose had that hesitation and jumping in the portal, um, I was right there with him because and and I think the show did an excellent job in in, in showing you know PTSD because if you know what's to come, if you know you're facing the worst moment or first, the worst time period in your life, why would you be so quick to jump right back into that? Um, so that scene, even though it was brief, it was still powerful uh, because we all knew it was coming, but we didn't want to jump into it so willingly. Yeah, because even Montrose was already sipping that moonshine trying to prep himself for it. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, I should have got some. <laughs> I gotta get myself right before I go. Yeah. I mean, they just, but just you, like sick when unable to drink it. Yeah, well, he drank it. He's like, "What is this gasoline?" Is that maybe? Yeah. But I mean, you saw the um, the dread on Montrose's face. I mean, that was uh, Michael K. Williams did a, definitely a good job. Um, well, throughout the entire series, everyone's every every actor has been you know hitting it out the park, but. I think he did a really good job um, expressing that dread of having to return to the, not just his home, but just to return to that time of pain and, 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 and all parts of horror. Uh, and not just because of that, seeing himself getting whipped by his dad, or, but more so the, the massacre that takes place that same day. And that's what sucks. That I was hoping that they would just go back to Tulsa uh, at any point. Doesn't have to be the day of the day or the night of the massacre, but maybe the day before that way you can kind of slip in, slip out, but having to see that stuff. Um, and that's what I was thinking. That's the, the, the moral dilemma of being a black time traveler. It's probably yeah. it's like, like one, what timeline, uh, what time period would we as African-Americans, um, one, would want to go to? And two, if we do go to it, do you interact? I mean, because you may change the future where you may not exist or something else may happen with uh, where eventually some of your loved ones may not exist because you, know, you go back too far into the past and you're freeing slaves or taking out slave masters or, or, or changing things or America isn't what it is now or, or so therefore you may not exist. Like, 
I would never want to go back so far and then be able to just, and just be uh, a observer of that kind of trauma. And that's what these three were. They, they went back and Tick got to see his grandfather beating up on his father uh, for stupidness. Uh, I mean, well, not stupidness, but for it was it wasn't a valid reason for for, for beating it for for discipline physically disciplining your child. Yeah. Um, and and I don't know his well. We knew his father was was you know beating him, but I didn't realize he was a drunkard too. I mean, you figure his dad, who was played by okay, good. I can now talk about it. <laughs> I was just because I was just like, yo, wait, hold up, that's Lala. Yeah, that sounds like is that Lala with the? I never, I haven't seen a many a black man with a hipster mustache like a handlebar yeah. mustache. <laughs> Yo, I let out the most amazing scream and sk- like I was like, wait, hold up, that's Lala. Wait, why is Lala? Oh my god, Lala! And then I was like, Lala ain't shit, no matter what century. <laughs> like, damn this dude just ain't gonna be shit <laughs> so it was first of all it was just amazing i was just like oh my gosh so big ups to william catlett because that dude I, to, I mean he's probably a lovely man <laughs> but for me he's just gonna be a, a no shit kind of guy like <laughs> dude you are a horrible person <laughs> which i'm sure is completely his opposite of who he is but mm-hmm. it's just like and then I was like, it just makes sense. You, of course, of course you would be their damn daddy. Of course you would be the daddy. Of course you'd be whooping your kid's ass. I totally just assumed that like when he made him pick up the switch, I don't know if you've ever had to do that. Nope, never. I, I'm from I'm from Queens, New York. So, so the, the whole switch thing, I, I, I equate it to more of a Southern thing, but I've never had to pick a switch. They just had a belt ready for me. Belt I mean, ruler. Slipper, hand, <laughs> <laughs> whatever was whatever was handy. Yeah, we didn't whatever have to go. Handy. We didn't have to go outside to get our ass whooped. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just say, okay, so there's one time I actually had to do that where I where I grew up, and it was because I got in trouble outside, and it was my fault because I was playing in the woods, and I wasn't supposed to when I fell into this little thing, but that was my fault. I was dumb, and I was told not to. But my happy little self decided I'm gonna just do it anyway because what's the worst that could happen? I get in trouble, sure. So I was still outside and we had a, there's a willow tree where I grew up mm-hmm. and, you know, uh, so I kind of had to pick one. <laughs> I mean, I didn't really get hit long, but it was just, it was like, it was kind of like enough for me to realize it's like, oh, you want to, you want to play stupid? Got you. Hold on here. Take this. Well, how do you I'm know like, you didn't think... get beat long? You might've passed out. <laughs> no, because <laughs> it was, it was literally three hits <laughs> and I. Owl like a banshee. <laughs> it was three hits, and they weren't even hard. And I know they weren't hard because I because I've gotten spankings worse than that before. <laughs> but I was just like, damn. You know, That's there, my, there's, my there's bad. Something, there's something about getting beat with a switch. Um, <gasps> I got I got beat once with a switch. Um, at least all I can remember is once. Maybe there's many more times. <laughs> I, I can't remember it. I, I think I think my parents didn't have patience. Um, for you to go out and, and try to find something to bring back in the house to get it beaten with. Um, mm. But there's something about being told to get a switch you because it all, takes time. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So you're sitting there thinking, okay, if I get the right one, it's going to hurt. But if I get a small one, I may get beat even worse because right. they're going to be mad I got a small. So there's a, there's a little bit of extra cruelty in being told to choose the item you're going to get beat with. 
but it also requires patience on the part of the person that's asking you to get it. So I don't know if that's part of the game or the torture or whatever the case might be. Um, but when I saw that scene, I was like, God damn, ain't this something? <laughs> like, like, you go back to Tosa, they had this over there too. Like, come on. Yes. <laughs> it's yes. a timeless classic. It is. Yes. I feel like that's like, especially for anybody that grew up in a rural set in a rural setting, whether you're white or black, that that's just the thing to do. Mm-hmm. But because it's like, oh, okay, hold up. I want you to choose your thing. And I remember my mom telling me about like when she would visit her, her relatives in the south and they would have to do it. And one of her cousins chose a really thin one. Mm. That cuts through the air sharp too. Right, yeah. but they 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 chose a thin one because they were hoping that it wouldn't be so bad because they had relatives visiting. And they're like, hi, well, didn't you know better? Stupid. It catches that wind. Some like like not like the thick ones can't. Those thin ones, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, they bend just right. You don't want that one. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I love how like he's about like he's like he's whooping his kids, but and she comes out, his mom comes out to like defend him, and then he looks like he about to go hit the his do- like the other guy's door. He's like, uh uh-huh. he her, her, her he dad come to. out but right, her dad come out like, excuse me, no, 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 hold on. You could discipline your kids the way you want to. That's mine. <laughs> and he stops, like, yeah. Damn it! I want to hit her, but I can't. I, now I wonder if that's the alcohol in him that he was intoxicated to the point where he didn't care who was there. He was going to light him up, or is that just the normal thing? Because uh, we always hear it back in the day where you know the the kid gets in trouble, you know the neighbor would pop him before he even gets home. Like every like the whole community would discipline him before him or her before they even get to the to the actual parents. Nowadays that wouldn't happen. Uh, well, I'd like to believe it wouldn't happen now in the block. You wouldn't, someone, someone, uh, a neighbor wouldn't be disciplining your kid. That would probably go viral real quick for the wrong reason. It would. Yeah. So that was the only part of this episode, even though it's, it's a fantasy show. Where I was like, come on, that that wouldn't happen. Um, and, and what I mean by that is the fact that she jumped in the way. Now, it was a bad beating, but she jumped in the way. And I get the father saying, don't touch my child. But I, from the stories I heard, sometimes back then, even neighbors could be the child's butt. Um, but then when they were, when Letty was asking, you know, why didn't um, George jump in? And I was thinking to myself, like, even that's a little bit unrealistic to expect two sons to jump their father. It is. Um, it's, it's, and I was like, that, no one would say, why didn't you jump your father? That, that would not have happened um, back then. I don't even think alone. it would happen now. Exactly. But nowadays, maybe depending on the family. But mm-hmm. even when I was growing up, my brother and I, we would have never jumped my father. We both would have been dead. That, <laughs> that wouldn't have happened. But that thought doesn't even cross your mind in that manner. So I think it was a little unrealistic to expect, well, nobody helped George didn't help him. Of course not. It's right. a lot to expect someone to jump their parent. Um, unless you're taken and you learn that your father really isn't your father. Mm-hmm. All at the same time. Yeah, Tick, th- Tick did go through a lot as far as uh, uh, learning. Well, learning. Tick went through a lot of re- revelations. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's that's a lot to process. I mean, it's not so much that okay, well, um, maybe your uncle really isn't your uncle, and he's ne- he was just a friend. He's not really a blood relative. But to find out that you no, know, your uncle possibly uh, could possibly be your father, your actual biological father. That's a, and especially as that's coming from the person who. Um, is supposed to be your father. That's a big. That's a, that's a lot to uh, uh, unpack and a lot to you know, take on. I mean, I could see. see him I say, thought no. he knew. No, he I didn't. He I mean, everybody and their mother knew. <laughs> no, but like, I, I, 
like maybe I just read too much into certain scenes, but I thought he knew by the way he kept saying, oh, you're going to have to be the one to help D because you're her closest relative. It seemed like he was, he was baiting him to tell him, but even though he was told directly, it seemed like in some way he knew because he did have the, he did travel to the future. And he got the book. I'm like, yo, if it's in a book, boy, why didn't you know that? Like, exactly. So that's why I felt like he was just, even though it was still painful, I felt like he was just, he just wanted him to tell him directly. Could be. I just still think Tick is an a-hole, so that's just me. I like Tick. I know you do. <laughs> it don't change the fact of what I still feel. I'm just like, because... If we go back to the way Montrose, like, if you notice, like, when Montrose first comes through the portal, he's, like, dead-faced. But when they, which I I don't know if it was intentional, but when they start, like, they, the transition from him looking out in the broad, of the clear day, mm-hmm. so then when we see his reflection through the glass, he's crying on one side. And it's not like he just started crying. Like, it was just, like, all that emotion, and I guess maybe it goes to the to the, act, to the great acting of um, Michael K. Williams, but it's just like he, like there's just a long stream of tears running down one eye, and that's and it just it kind of feels like how it, how you would feel when your trauma comes back out and you have no control over it. It's like here you are crying and you have and you don't you don't even realize you're crying. Okay, maybe because it's ha- like for me, I know it's happening to you. Like I don't even realize like so- like something hits and I don't realize I'm crying, and then all of a sudden, just like oh, but he's so lost in his emotions. I just thought it was like it was beautifully like if this show does not win Emmys for freaking cinematography, I'm never watching Emmys. Not that I do anyway, but still. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, I think I think before cinematography, I think they would probably win for writing. Um, and probably writing and and, for, and performances uh, than uh, cinematography, especially when a lot of it is is um, green screened. Um, but not to detract from from the, the performance and, and how it you know it gets into our emotions, which I mean I think that's what TV and film is supposed to do to make us think and make us uh, feel, uh, whether it's you know sad, happy, or 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 you no know, or anything other feelings that you may have. I think that's the true reason and true true. Uh, uh, Thing behind watching television or, or watching film, um, not just to sit there and waste away in you know, 90 minutes or 30 minutes or an hour or something like that, make us really think, ponder, research. And I think that's what I really enjoy about Lovecraft Country is that when the episode's over, not only can you watch it again and pick up other smaller tidbits of information, but they um, sprinkle so much into these episodes, um, whether it's factually accurate or you know, um, not, it gives us enough information to want to be curious about what they're getting it from. What's their basis? What's this stuff? No, um, especially like two episodes ago, two episodes ago with um, Hippolyta, when you see uh, the young lady, the young African-American woman on the motorcycle, like, I didn't know who she was until, you know, uh, I think Bessie Stringford, like you find out who she is. Okay. I didn't, I didn't even know about her until that episode, honestly. Uh, and so, I mean, other people may, oh, I knew about that a long time ago. Okay. But you have people who didn't even know about Tulsa Massacre until The Watchmen came out or until last night's episode or Black Wall Street. Oh, what's that? You know, th- things that they can uh, learn a little bit more about or this is the first, this is their introduction to it. But not to detract from the, to, from last night's episode, I, I thought with um, uh, Montrose going back, seeing his family, seeing uh, his dad beating on him, um, I really had, an, an, I guess, a new sense of, of respect and somewhat um, 
admiration for Montrose, even though he's still a, he's still a fuck up. Um, but no, no, I, yeah, he still is. <laughs> no, we, he's not good for, for seven episodes. He was still a jackass. So I mean, well, eight episodes. This is episode nine. Ninth episode, I felt a little bit more sorry for him because you actually see what really kind of triggered his um, uh, not even evolution. It's like a de-evolution of um, uh, being a caring uh, African American man, especially as a, as a as a as a father and husband, then a father. Like he obviously was beat as a kid. Um, that's strike one. But then um, having to hold back his uh, love for his boyfriend and friend Thomas and to see his friend die in front of him, getting his, literally his, his face blown off uh, by those uh, white racists and then try to still hide those feelings um, going on, going forward for the next, uh, I would probably say what, he's probably in his 40s, maybe, maybe 50s. So probably to the next uh, 30, 40 years, he you know, kept those emotions to himself. And anytime someone got close to him, like Sammy, he, you know, he, he says something to try to, you know, break it away to make it sense. So that way he can keep his distance. You know, cause you know, men aren't supposed to be, you know, uh, men or fathers aren't supposed to be soft or, or whatever. However, I forgot the exact line he said to tick. Um, but I felt, you no, know, I felt sorry for him in that. Cause you no, know, as, you know, as a black time traveler, you know, he, he wants to go back and, 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 and be able to stop his uh, boyfriend from being killed, but, you know, he can't change those, you can't change the past. Yeah. So just like, like yeah, you mentioned, Hanish, that um, there's so many angles you can take with every episode to break down so many aspects of each episode. And you go back, you watch it again. You see so many new things. Um, so even though this episode has that as well, you're right. It, the, the focus on the personal is what made this episode stand above so many other episodes in the series and it even helped with coping with watching the Tulsa massacre because it, it focused on um some personal lives it even had a touch up with the you know the town looked like prior to the massacre um and, you know i've been very critical of macho from the no because i did not trust him <laughs> you don't I say. Not trust him. and even i have to admit even now i, I still there's still a part of me that holds out that percentage of, well, let's wait and see in terms of, is there still one final twist with him? But but I think Michael Williams is the only actor who could pull this role off where you're right, he has been an asshole. You know, I do not like this character from a standpoint of I don't trust him, but this episode, he killed this episode and, and he took a character that even if you're critical of what he has done, he made you understand his character in a way where it's like, wow, he really did go through a hell of a lot. And he makes it seem so effortless. Like the way, you know, like, like Kay just mentioned, the way the tears come down, the way he, he, he acts in a different scene. Like I really felt like Montrose is a much stronger character and a much better person than what we've been led to believe. Um, the fact that you know <laughs> just say I, I was I, right just no, say i was right I, because no the reason why i don't say that is because <laughs> and again sometimes i could read into scenes more but when letty mentioned that she gave the pages to christina and she has the um invulnerability spell he was really upset about that 
from the standpoint of I didn't think it was because he gave her the book, but because he got something, but that she got something that he may want. And I still have this in my head that what did Christina promise him? He's the only character that they don't show interacting with her. And I find that to still be very unusual. Okay, so I will give you the fact that we don't see him interacting with Christina. I will give you that. I will totally give you that. We also don't see uh, the mother, but okay, fine. I'm even okay with that. I'm even okay if you think of that it's because that he has a deal with her. Fine. But at the same time, it does go to the fact that he here he is fighting for his family. He's allegedly. No, no I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Don't make me hurt you, boy. <laughs> <'Cause> he, <laughs> and he's telling him that he had to swallow his pride when he found out that his mother might be that his mother was pregnant and it could have been George's kid. When he said that he going back to like when he's when him and Tick are having a conversation in the alley. And he says, and he says, like, I think it's like something like I cut out all the soft parts of myself just to be a man because men have sons. Like, yo, yeah. I'm sorry. This is a dude that is doing everything that he has turned himself inside out. He has cut off all of the things that made him who he could really be because he needed to fit the role to be a man, to be a father, to do these things. So he had to cut off everything he couldn't even remember thomas's name until that day until he was there in that alley because like when he tells Tick that like he couldn't even remember like up until this point what else has he killed or buried inside himself to make it just so that one he could just live it's not a real life it's a it's a partial life but everything he did just so that he could have some kind of family, some kind of belonging. Is he a shit parent? Yes. No doubt. But <laughs> I still think that he's doing this for his family. What however that translates for him, because he's he doesn't he the love is gone. Not like not true love that he could possibly have maybe once had, but he does have that familiar like you said, yeah, family bond is a is the biggest thing of all. And he's trying to do that. Again, he's wrong in a lot of ways. Mm. <laughs> but so for someone that at an early age had to learn to cut off themselves to survive, that's not horrible. He's not he's he's not as horrible as we're led to believe. Well, I wouldn't go that far just yet. And only because there's one more. <laughs> well, we episode. got one episode left. Just agree. No, no, but I, I want something bad, I know. I would put him in the same category as as everyone else. I mean, do you fully trust Ruby? Well, you can. Well, they just showed her in a different in a different manner. Her story evolved in a different way, where you can see what she's getting caught up in. Um, but I don't fully trust Ruby at this point either. Um, I don't trust none of them. Exactly. So I'm not saying so. Him, I'm not going to give him the complete benefit of the doubt because I'm not doing that for any character whose full motives haven't been shown yet, or they seem to be influenced by this power. Um, because at the end of the day, everyone who was there went through trauma as well. Um, and we still don't know Montrose's, you know, how the promise of power has guided him to this point. So that's the only question I still have left. What promises, if, even, if any, were made? Right, if any. Because I don't believe the promises were made outside of potentially his child not being killed 
maybe because that literally is the last thing he has of his wife his brother that's it that's his last thing of saying if everything is gone and ever and i lose everything everything goes away what was the purpose of my life what was the purpose of all the things that i sacrificed and all the pain that i went through yeah, I but, yeah, I mean, again, it, it depends on how they want to make the character. Um, in their last episode, if they want to make him succumb to something that could see in a promise, or at least reveal that he was promised something, even if he's having second thoughts about it, because I think that can be possible too. Um, that scene where he was telling the story to Tick about how there was a part of the events that night that he never told anyone. And it was about a stranger who came along. Um, that scene had me excited. Like, I, I couldn't wait because I, I kind of knew it was Tick, obviously. What, did, um, you know, did you know it was Tick uh, before tonight's episode? Because he didn't mention no. a stranger in the previous episode. But you guys did kind of, one of you in like early, early on when we were discussing, when we first found out there might be, that there might be time travel, one of you did say, what if that they had already gone through this before? Yeah, I think yeah. It, I can't remember which. Uh, it might have been the episode when we saw the Ori, but um, it's. I mean, this this does open up a lot of questions. Like we don't know how this episode is going to end. No, none of us has read uh, read the book, so for all we know, this might be something where it almost like a Back to the Future uh, two kind of thing, where you know you seen your you see your past self going into you see your current self going into the past and then your future self going into the past also so now there's three iterations of you so before we know there's a second tick someplace else or a second Montrose watching the current Montrose save uh uh current tick save you know his father when he was a kid like it it could be so many levels to this it's almost like one of those flashpoint things like what what timeline did Barry uh mess up kind of thing Timey, wimey, wibbly, wobbly. Or what if Montrose seeing <laughs> Tick do that changed Montrose's mind about whatever promise he made to Christina? What if that moment meant so much to him that now he's like, you know what? Um, this is somebody that that I can that would have fought for me as well. And for me to turn on this person for Christina um, is a lost cause. Because there is, because Christina knows how, I'm not saying she's 100% evil, um, because clearly she was deprived because everything, it's like she has no experiences in life other than magic. Um, but she knows how to target what someone wants and she promises them something based off of knowing what they want the most. Yeah, well, Christina's a manipulator. So she, like yes. said, she'll, she'll, she'll you know, woo you and tell you things just enough of the truth to get you on her side um, or do her bidding. Like with Ruby, you know, go and drop this off inside this office, do this and that. Because she could have, I think she could have put her the spell on herself to, you know, have that other white lady's face and, and go slip in and drop the thing off. Uh, actually, no, I, I'll take that back. She needed a black face because black people at that point, at that time, uh, were basically forgettable in the shadows. You know, when no one's watching you, you're the help. So no one cares where you go. So that's why I guess that's why she needed Ruby. But again, she used Ruby for her own means. It wasn't like, hey, I see you as a struggling black sister out there. I'm going to come help you out. Here, drink this potion, young young one. <laughs> You're going to get a job real quick. Hey, here you go. Have a sip of it. No, she, <laughs> she don't care about anybody. But Ruby's so happy to get a job. She don't care. She's, I got a job. Now I'm living in a mansion. I got to be away for, for eight hours out of the day, but it's okay. I got a job. But if we talk about redemption type stories, at least, at least in my own mind about 
characters, I suspect. Um, is Christina all evil? Or is she just completely misguided? Because if you think about it, her stance may be, well, I offered Ruby this power and she could have done whatever she wanted with it, mm-hmm. which is basically true. But it seems as if she's always been around people who, when they get power or magic, it just corrupts them. But Ruby did influence her to some extent by, you know, talking to her about Emmett Till, and she did want to recreate an experience. So maybe there is a slight bit of hope for her to cause hesitation, at least, so they can hopefully save Tick next episode. I mean, he ain't got to be saved. That's true. <laughs> I mean, he may ultimately have to, you know, he knows the future that he has to sacrifice himself, and maybe there's, we don't know, there might be a, a um, ultimatum. You sacrifice yourself and we'll make sure that your wife or my wife, but your your girlfriend, Letty, and her unborn child will survive or whatever. Or the protection spell is on her, but um, not the child. So she can get hurt, but the child may you know, miscarriage or something to that effect where he may say, you know what? I got to do this. I got to sacrifice myself because whatever have you. I, we don't know yet. Um, but and jumping back to last night's episode, um, so now that you know, Tick and Montrose uh, go and save Montrose, Uncle George, and basically Tick's, and Tick's mother uh, from being uh, killed by those uh, racists, uh, we jump to Letty rocking her her kids, her converses. No, wait, no, 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 <laughs> no, no. Can we just go back to the to, to the beat to the to, to the bat to the bat wheeling? Oh, he's slinging. He, he's swinging. He's swinging. Oh my home god! Runs. Yeah. I loved it. I was just like, yo, hold up though. My thing is that I wouldn't girl, have stopped. I'm sorry. I would have I would have caught him I would caught a lot more uh head knockers with that. Yeah. Exactly. I'm like, yo, you need to hurt some more people. Yeah. <laughs> that was like po- poetry in motion. Mm-hmm. Um it was like one of the best scenes in the show. I mean, I, I, <laughs> I love that scene. I love that scene. I was, it was very powerful. I watched it, I was like, no, after watching it, that scene and even this episode, I was like, you know what? I'm ready to go knock a proud boy out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think because we, we do have to tie it into um, Tick's great-grandmother. Mm-hmm. Um, because of the fact that it, it, this episode made me think of, of, of my family. Um, my family's from all over the place. Like we have some that are down south, some from Midwest, some from mm-hmm. the West. And, you know, obviously a lot from New York, but there's just so many different characters um, in this episode that may trigger memories about certain family members. And when Letty was in there talking about, this is what's gonna happen, you know, we need this book. Um, it made it seem as if, okay, no one fought back, but they all fought back in a number of ways. And this is what was so powerful to me because we know what happened. We know what happened in Tulsa. You know, they did not have magic. Mm-hmm. Um, that could protect them and that there weren't many, you know, there weren't happy stories that took place that were hidden in the sense of with this show um, detail, but they were still fighting for something. So even in that moment where um, Letty's telling the future what's going to happen, it's like, it's like a dream that I can think of with, you know, my grandparents or, you know, great aunts or uncles when they were going through the worst of the time, they had to look forward to something mm-hmm. in order to keep going through it. Um, because I know I say that there's a lot of things I can do today because of them. And it's not perfect, obviously. There's still a lot that needs to be done. But on one hand, you have Tick swinging the bat. 
But you know that that couldn't have been all it was because they didn't win in Tulsa on a physical level. Yeah. But then there's that hope that the great grandmother showed this is what's there. And this is what makes people not give up and to keep fighting in, in every way possible. And that scene, this, it, it brought back so many memories of my family. Me, it was, um, Letty in the house was very interesting because here she is, she's, she has to lie to everybody in their face. I mean, great, uh, Hattie was great because she was just like, I don't trust this heifer. Um, <laughs> she's like, like, what are those? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like something ain't right here something's wrong but the fact that like how it gives the again back to the moral dilemma of what it would be to be a black tra- a time traveler can you how many of us can sit there like when when um there when the aunts asked the little girl asked her everything's gonna be okay and letty has to sit there and lie to her and you can see in the girl's face she doesn't believe her when she gives that lie and like you almost see like the hope fade out of this girl's face, out of this girl's eyes. And like Letty has to lie, like, yes, it's gonna be okay. And then thank thankfully the glass broke, so she had to so the girl had to go away. And then she goes up the lady's upstairs round, uh, rummaging through stuff. I don't know if I could have been um the grandmother Hattie. Like to know that your family you have to die like you're going to die in a brutal way for your future and the fact that like letty probably has the some of the worst no nope everybody's ptsd is different but letty's ptsd is ridiculous because it's just like here we go this is what i just saw like but and then to hold her hand as she's burning and watch her burn to death yeah, that was that was just a hard scene to watch. Yeah, because it was like, okay, well, you go out and you run out with the book and you just see the house burn, so you don't really see you. You can your imagination will take control of you and and let you uh, presume how they passed away in the fire. But to visually see someone burning to death slowly was is I was like, oh god, that's that's a hard that's that's something hard to watch, and especially for Letty's character to you know. To be visibly there, seeing your, your loved one's uh, great grandparent, you know, suffering like that. Um, but I think it's it spoke volumes, though, for for what um, the grandmother had said, though, as she was no, as, as I think as, I think after the Molotov cocktail went through the window and it started to burn the house down, and, and she had she said, no, when my great great grandson is born, he will be my faith turned flesh. I felt I was like, Damn. yes. Oh my god, I love that. Yeah. I mean, it's I understand. It's like it's, it's a reference to, to like a, a Bible verse, and then they they and they held hands and prayed right after that. But I felt that I mean, not so much that I mean, I'm not I'm not Christian, but I, but I don't think you even need to be Christian to I guess to respect her dedication to knowing that someone from the future is telling that you have to die here, like you cannot leave here, you cannot survive because you're going to change the future. So you have to end your timeline right here and right now. And it's not like, okay, just, you know, lay down and go to sleep. You have to die in probably one of the most brutalist ways to uh, a person can, can die. And then we're just going to hold hands you know, and we're going to pray. We're going to leave our, um, we're going to put our faith in, in, in what you say. And you telling that you're going to survive you from the future. You're going to you know, make everything okay in the future. And that to me was like, damn, that's, 
That's hurtful. I mean, that's not so hurtful, but it was just, it was a really sad scene there. And I think they, and the two actresses did a hell of a job bringing that out. Yeah. Um, Regina Taylor is a fabulous actress. Yes. Like, I couldn't yeah. remember. Fabulous. Her name. Yes. I, 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 <laughs> it's like, there are so many things. You're just like, where have you been? It's been a few years since I've seen you something. I'm like, but you come back strong. <laughs> yeah. It, it, was, it was powerful because to me, it, it, it's also knowing that Letty stayed with her. And that's what it was, where it, was, it wasn't just about knowing that she was going to die. Letty stayed with her mm-hmm. um, while she was dying. So in her last moment, she was able to see that it was true because Letty wasn't burning. Mm-hmm. And, and so I, I, know, I, I know, you know, Letty put a lot of people in jeopardy by taking her sweet time to witness that and to know that you can walk through all these flames, you can walk through all these bombs and they can't touch you. So no matter what they do to anyone there, you're representing that no one can touch you because you're invulnerable. So I, to me, that was still powerful. You know, like she better she could walk a little bit fast, like a little speed walk. Yo, but, that pissed me. I'm so, yeah. But I, I think it was power in itself in her mind because she just witnessed, you know, her great grandmother, you know, her boyfriend's great grandmother get burned alive in front of her. You're not gonna be like, oh yeah, let me get on with it. You're gonna be. And I think that was her way of showing defiance to what was happening in the town. That was her way of standing up to the town without influencing events that could affect the future. Yeah. I, okay. I, I will agree with that. And it, and also it marks another visual. It marks a really beautiful visual standard for, for again, hence why I say if they do not win for cinematography, um, we got some issues because there's nothing that was not beautifully lit that was not amazingly described like even with with as she's walking through the fire and Montrose is reciting what has happened to different people in the town and how they were killed the same way Letty in the previous one talks about how the recounts the people's names in the in the house him doing that and then just saying and then a doctor shot in like the shot like shot in the face and like where he leaves it off and saying with one person how it just like they got it the worst like it's just, it's beautiful. There's nothing about this that is not amazingly beautiful. Ridiculously sad. I mean, I still do believe kind of Letty could have walked a little bit faster I didn't, at the I didn't end. Li- I didn't like her walking through slowly. I thought if, I mean, visually, I understand. I guess it's good to see, you know, see as far as she's she's strong, she's holding on, and she, she's going through the, the turmoil and destruction around her. But I figured you don't know how long you have with this this portal, I think if I was hurt, I'd have probably still been, you know, running along the sides of the building, uh, rather than running straight, literally straight down the middle of the street. Well, I'm cool with her walking down the street. My thing is, I guess, because we can see what's happening with freaking Hippolyta and how she's like literally giving all her and giving gi- giving all conducting energy. I mean, she could be Storm. Just saying, um, all that she's pushing out, and Letty's taking her sweet time to make mm-hmm. a freaking point. Come on, Heffa. This woman is dying on the other side of the world, of the other side of time, and you are taking your sweet time, Heffa. Move. Put some pep in your step. <laughs> and then uh, also with, uh, I mean, just regards to the, the final, the, I guess that final scene of her walking through the fire. Uh, and some things I didn't really research and didn't learn about the Tulsa Massacre. One, I didn't realize it was, multiple days it wasn't yeah. just like a one day a one night thing no. like a, it's like rosewood like or you know come here and you know shoot up the place burn stuff down and kept the moving it was like it happened over a period of days 
Um, and it wasn't just, okay, we're going to scare them out of the town. They were actually hunting black people down. I didn't realize that, you no, know, this he said it was like a white uh, person actually was um, hiding black people in, in their cellar. I don't know. I would have to research to see what happened to that other person said who got it the worst. I don't know. I'm kind of scared to find out what the worst was. Um, and when I went to the African-American History Museum, they did have um, some trinkets, if you will, uh, of note of during the race riots in Oklahoma. There was actually... Um, they actually had made postcards showing yeah. the uh, dead carcasses of uh, African-Americans that they lynched. They had them like on the back of a, um, a truck piled up. And I was like, welcome to Tulsa kind of thing. Like they were, they were advertising people to come and take part in this savageness. And they were selling, um, I'm not sure if it was this, uh, in Tulsa it was a, a different a lynching elsewhere, but they were selling portions of the rope uh, that they were used to hang people as souvenirs. So yeah. it's like, and again, it wasn't like, okay, this is some kind of, no, this, this happens in war or whatever. People know to see the depravity of, of humans, uh, human condition during war. This is in America, uh, no peacetime. No one's at war with anyone here in America at the time in, in, in America. And yet for some, some reason, these races decided to, to um, go in and start slaughtering innocent individuals. But yeah, it is it's disturbing that, it, it, like you said, this isn't a time of war um, necessarily where you're in a war zone and you, mm -hmm. you have that anxiety about something happening. Um, they were talking about a dance that was supposed to take place in the area. And you go from that mentality to trying to figure out why people are being shot into a full-blown massacre. I mean, just imagine how that how that's how traumatizing that is. And I think that's a wake-up call even for today. You know, you mentioned Proud Boys, and this is what these type of groups want. This is what they want. They're, they're fucking terrorists, basically. Um, and that's what occurred there. Yeah. Yep. And that's putting it mildly. Mm -hmm. But, uh, I mean, as the episode nears its um, conclusion, they are able to make it through the portal. And, um, and so Hippolyta, I guess, she channels, I guess, all of her reserve energy, uh, and again, black people have to be the uh, manifestation of electricity or the conductors of electricity. You got black lightning and static shock, and now we got Hippolyta. I don't know what her uh, <laughs> I don't know what her 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 Marvel or DC name is gonna be, but we got to think of something. Orinthia Blue, man. She is Orinthia Blue. She has, she has transcended to her daughter's to what her daughter created. There we go. So she got the blue hair, and in the trailer for next week, they do show she still has the blue hair. Uh, so I'm guessing she's gonna keep it. She ain't got, she doesn't have time to uh, dye it. Yeah, I feel like that dot nothing's gonna get that blue out. She's gonna <laughs> she's gonna she's gonna be blue till the end. Blue till the end. Um, so they said it's the season finale. Uh, yeah, which... so I don't know if that means it'll be a second season. But to be honest, HBO said the same thing for Watchmen with the final episode saying it's the season finale. So, and then you know and, we ain't getting nothing else. So. Right, and so it may end similar to Watchmen where you no, know, it's. It could go on, or it may be a finale where it actually is this, this series finale. Either way, after next week, I will begin reading um, Lovecraft Country, the, the actual book by Matt Ruff. True. Question, because I was thinking this when I was watching it. Like, when, once Tick became the person that Montrose remembered, Montrose was younger. So I, I often, I was wondering if Uncle George knew. Uncle George knew what I was wondering that too, because Tick would not have. I mean, his his father was probably far more traumatized. Not said they weren't all traumatized, but his father just watched his friend get killed after he just called his friend a faggot and said that I we're not going to be friends. Like I can't. 
So he his his trauma was a little bit more in your face at that point. So he wouldn't recognize faces. But I'm curious if we realize that Uncle George, when he saw Tick as the man that he what he he grew into be, recognized him from that know. night. Um, I mean that's 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 difficult because. I mean, that's like saying, um, I, I don't remember any, I, I can vaguely remember um, one of my colleagues' fra- uh, faces, you know, during 9-11. Not so much, they, we weren't in the tower or anything like that, but just, you know, a traumatic experience that I, that we all lived, uh, um, lived through, like, what their face looked like, like, and then try to remember that face for, like, 30-something, 30 years later. Yeah, true. That's that's difficult to. I mean, especially he, I and mean, Tick was Tick and Uncle George were, were young kids. I mean, they were like what, they were like prom, so high school age, maybe or middle. Yeah, school. like well, Tick, well, Uncle George couldn't go, so I'm guessing he wasn't clearly that was old. But I mean, Uncle George looked like he may have been like what? Let, let's assume you were graduating high school at 15. Mm-hmm. It was a prom for Booker T for Booker T Washington, and he was good with getting kids through school like early like a lot of them so maybe probably he was like 14 15 years old possibly so he could there's a good chance that he could remember the face i mean we we might never we might never get that yeah the show can make it so that he remembered the face but now that hanif mentioned it in that that light um there are some people who i knew growing up where i may not recognize the face of an older adult right now but I would know the name, like oh yeah, now I remember. Oh, so see. It, it's yeah, like, it depends. It depends. Yeah, I mean, if he said, "Oh, my name is Tick," I know uh, uh, exactly. He didn't I, say I got anything. you, kid. And something like, "Oh, I do remember a guy named Tick." Whatever. But right. he said the stranger. I mean, if your own your own dad doesn't recognize you um, uh, at that time, well, he but, might not be his dad. See, well, well, okay, but he was standing right next to him. Exactly. And he didn't realize yeah. it until he picked up the bat and said, "Wait a minute." <laughs> and it also wasn't like he um well Manchos never mentions like oh he had a striped shirt on he had this he just said no a guy came in there swinging uh like jackie robinson and he said i got you kid like he didn't it wasn't like oh well you could actually have the same outfit on that the guy had no wasn't one of those marty mcfly doc brown kind of moments where they they realized something say, wow. uh, yeah. but Montrose <laughs> is a heavy drinker so no, that's all right Montrose be drinking <laughs> and trying to dull his he senses said, man. i'm your son from the future and he wouldn't have remembered it after all these years so. <laughs> all you have to do is remember this one phrase no like and he did say that he blocked out thomas's face so he if he that. blocked he out Thomas's uh, face, then he right. probably blocked out the I mean, stranger's face too. To be fair, I would have blocked out Thomas's face too, because I mean, he got his yeah. face did get blown up. I, I would try to yeah. forget that much uh, about that. As I mean, it wasn't like he yeah, just true. disappeared. Oh, his family? No, we never heard from him after Tulsa. He was there, saw his friend, no face get you know blown off, and the, the blood and all that stuff was on his shirt. Yeah, that. That's that's a lot to um, uh, unpack and and well a lot to try to remember. I would I wouldn't want anyone to remember that. That's some serious PTSD. Yeah. Um. What else? Uh, then well, they didn't show what happens to D. Uh, they do get out of uh, the all three of them uh, get out of the portal, come back to to, to the current timeline. One thing that I was speaking with my sister that she had mentioned also was that uh, a few episodes ago when Tick said he went into the future and white people were, were rioting. Um, he, we don't know how far into the future. We don't know why they were rioting, but he said a woman with the metal arm had pushed him back through the portal. Now, at first, I was thinking maybe it's Hippolyta because you no, know, he might have seen the um, 
the the uh, ports, almost like the, the homemade USB ports in her wrist, um, like she's Data. Uh, maybe he thought that was um, the lady with the metal arms. But then when he saw it inside the observatory, and he didn't see any, the, well, they didn't show it, and like any kind of light bulb went off in his head, like, oh, I remember you, or this is what I saw when I went to the future. But then I'm thinking, it what could if- be yeah, I was gonna say, what if they do save D, but in order to save D, almost like a um, a zombie attack, when a zombie bites, you gotta kind of cauterize the wound or, or cut off that limb. They have to just basically get rid of D's arm, and so they give her a metal arm. You know, Garnet or, or Hippolyta goes into the alternate reality, alternate universe, gets her a metal arm. Could be, and I say that I say could be because when you when they when we get to when we get back when everybody finally makes through and he's he's hugging hippolyta Mm -hmm. they zoom out and you see d's arm is back to being withered again like it looks like her arm looks dead again yeah you don't really they don't really zoom in like you don't really see her face it's just too it's too darkly lit but they make sure you see that her arm is bad it looks like it did before when the maggots started coming off and you know oh that was gross yeah. So, so they they were riding in the future because Trump lost the election. What was it? That? Or it could be <laughs> wishful um, thinking. Wishful thinking. Yeah. Sir, there are many points where the, where people riot. You know, I mean, yeah. he, he might have went into the sixties. He might he might have went to was it uh, Detroit during the DNC and they, the cops and and then uh, people were rioting there. He could have been yeah, doing that. Could, Who knows? It, but well. Yeah, it it could have been any time, any time. Kent State, yeah, so who knows? Kent State yeah, could have worked. Kent State yeah, definitely could work. Favorite team could have won the the championship. I he mean, saw the Lakers win. He went. He went to Los Angeles during the Lake. One of the Lakers. Uh, uh, actually, no, Golden State would have won probably like, like two years ago. So they saw them t- uh, burning cars out there in, in Oakland. Uh, who, I mean, we don't know. <laughs> Unfortunately, there was no timeline. He didn't tell us. I guess we would maybe we would have to check I'm, I'm wondering if we zoom in on a book in the previous episodes do you see like a um a timestamp like you see on the back of the book like the publication date maybe i mean that might be a reach especially since the production department got the uh, states wrong when they did the observatory so that might hey, be hey hey oh no i'm not blaming i'm just saying we can't look for that we're for- realizing that it was an alternate timeline that they may have gone to okay hippolyta coming back may have altered some things <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're we're going. Shut up, both of you. Yeah, so I'm I'm looking forward to the season finale. Um, my my uh, what are you, actually not not mine? What are you guys? What are your three guesses or, or theories of what's going to happen? Um, Tick gonna die. Tick gonna die. What else? What, what else? Are you, are you, Tick's you, gonna die. Okay, you can't. Uh, Tick dies once. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Maybe Tick. Maybe, maybe what's underneath the floorboard is another version of Tick. I think was- Tick lives. I think that's the surprise. Mm. Um, okay. I think that's the surprise. I think they find a way to to get him to live because if he dies, then does that mean Christina is immortal? I think uh, Christina will be immortal, but I think what's going to happen is she's going to be stuck in a time or or in a universe. Maybe Garnett will take hold of her in a place where she doesn't want to be. So you'll you'll live for all time, but you'll be stuck here, kind of thing. Like one of those, like you'll be a vampire, but for the rest of your life you can't go in the sunlight or whatever. Have like she'll be stuck in a a, um, a tomb, if you will. So you can you're protected; no harm will come to you, but you'll be stuck inside of this. Statue. This uh, mausoleum, this statue, if you will, something like that. So you'll you'll be like a, a living uh, monument to uh, no white magicians. I, I don't I don't know. <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> Wouldn't it be funny though if she does get to gain mortality, but she has to do it as a man? 
I don't think she would mind. Yeah, I don't think she would I don't mind. know. I feel like she still wants to do everything as a woman to prove that she's right. Yeah, but I mean, I think at the or she gets to live um she gets to as live a black woman. as a black woman. <laughs> so now she so now she's black. So I'm she, miserable. Now she's she's black. Well, I mean, for her, she may seem as you know that'd be miserable. She could be miserable, but yeah, for us, like, hey, welcome to the party. You're now one of us. Yeah. Before we know, she could have been changing back and forth between you know a white woman and a black woman. We we, we never know. Right. What she what she has done. But um, I do appreciate Ruby saying she wanted red hair. <laughs> I'm like, really, Ruby? You you need to just stop with this. Just just be who you are, Ruby. She, I mean, come I, on. I feel like somewhere she's going to lose herself. Ginger. How many people get to be a ginger with no souls? <laughs> ginger with no souls. <laughs> I think I think Ruby is going to end up being a, a white woman permanently. Mm. No, nah, I'm kidding. Oh. I don't know. That would but be a horrible possible. punishment. Yeah. Um, I think Montrose has <laughs> one more secret where I think his promise with Cassini gets revealed. But I don't think I think he's going to want to renege on whatever he initially promised her Her, and try to help his family. I'm gonna need you to stop. My oh, I think perfectly fine. No, I think he made she made a promise to him. It would make no sense for him to be the first person she came in contact with, and she's like, "Ah, I won't ever try to use him." It makes no sense. She mm-hmm. did use him. She kidnapped him, took him, and wrote a, and got him to write a letter to his stupid son, who came back and did all this stuff. He said I, he never wrote the letter. Right. So she probably was able to send it send it out. But because he's missing, he was missing for like weeks. Because she could have just killed him and and sent the letter out as him, uh, if that was maybe, his only purpose. Or maybe she knows what has to happen. Maybe she knows that the past had to be back, had to be take, had to be gone, had to be gone back to. Maybe, maybe, maybe we, maybe this is all playing off the hand of someone else. Maybe there's someone else at play. Because I'm still trying to figure out next week's episode better be like two damn hours long. Yeah. Because <laughs> this hour crap is not going to be enough to, to to answer my questions. Yeah, I think there are too many questions to answer in just one hour. And like without, if this is the last episode of the entire series, and one hour is really not enough to answer everything. It's not. No. Or no. Or no. Or no. This would happen. Or don't give us any. This is what happened before. Just like start right off with it and go straight through. Yeah. No commercials. Nothing. Mm-hmm. Now, okay. <laughs> no rewinds. Thanks. We've we've got our rewinds. But yes. Um, well, I mean, I don't. I think Tick will die, but I think Tick will um, not so much. He'll be like captured and have nothing, and have no way to to, to um, fend himself. Well, I think he's just going to sacrifice himself. As far as he'll give in to Christina's uh, request uh, or demand, really, uh, to to be sacrificed for her immortality. But I think it'll be another like she'll make she'll bargain with him in order for that in order for him to die. You know, something else he'll, he'll bargain something. Maybe he'll you no know, bring back Uncle George. Or something like that. If if you uh, if I if you take my blood, no, it's, I I don't think I think Tick is gonna die. But I just think there's something else to it. Like he says, he has another secret. And I think the other secret is that he's wor- he's been researching the book of names and he's found a way to bring back the dead. Kind of like what they did with Yahima, like where she was basically stuck in that spell or whatever in that that emaciated state. I think they'll bring back Uncle George. Mm. I, that's I think- what I'm hoping for anyway that Uncle George can come back. No, no, that would be nice. That would be nice. But I think Christina is making the same mistake her father did, which is in order for her 
to perform whichever spell she's trying to perform, she has to remove her invulnerability spell. And that gives everyone an opportunity to take her out. Mm, so I think okay. they have to play along to some extent to get her to remove that spell. Because remember the last time Tick tried to kill her, she just made him freeze. There was like no way for him to even pull the trigger kind of thing. True. No. But I mean, or maybe him losing all, because it'll drain all of his blood, but that doesn't mean that he can't still live if his blood is drained. Is he going to give him what, someone else's blood? I mean, that's a very good possibility. Like, maybe um, we'll find out by maybe Montrose will sacrifice himself. Basically, almost like a transfusion. You take his blood and he'll take my blood since he's my he's my son or whatever. So therefore, he'll hold. I don't know. I mean, with I like we'll see. see. Someone's (laughs) gonna die. We don't know who. (laughs) Like someone's gonna die. Yep. All we know is we're going. Back to Artem, their summer home. I just need to know if that was their summer home. What does their other homes look like? I don't know. I mean, well, you got that mansion in Chicago. Yeah. So I mean, they, they probably have some houses all over the place. Remember, they're they're too rich for even the Ku Klux Klan. So who knows what kind of estates they got all around the country or world? True. And then, how many of the other orders are going to be involved in this? Yeah, we saw the coming attraction did show them having a uh, fight on that bridge that leads to the actual Artem uh, location, which to me is, I'm trying to understand that because if they're supposed to be going there uh, to uh, complete the agreement with uh, Christina, then why would you be fighting unless they're trying to get out and then they're fighting those, the the natives, these uh, citizens of the Artem mansion area are trying to fight to, to bring them back in maybe. Could be, or they don't know who they are at first. Because you only see three of them on the bridge at that point. You see Hippolyta with her beautiful blue hair. Mm-hmm. You see what appears to be Montrose. And I'm guessing the other one is Letty. I said they're looking to try, maybe they're going to try to rescue Tick. And, uh, and, maybe. The, and the, the farmers there are trying to stop them. COVID. But they're coming on all sides. All sides. All sides. Whatever it is. We know Letty won't die. She's the yeah. only one that I think it's safe to say that she's going to survive. Maybe. And I only say maybe because now that we know that there are multiple Earths, Tick might not have gone back, gone to our Earth in the future. He could have gone to Earth 502. Wait, but who was who that woman that, that um, oh, what's her name? Uh, Gia saw in Tick's future. It exactly. wasn't Exactly. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like, um, who's that woman? Because we don't know. We have... There are still things that are set out there. So maybe Tick finds a way to bring through multiple versions of Earth together or he gets another one. But like something is not right because there was another woman or, you know, like we, we just throwing people out there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, I thought that Letty could yeah. possibly die. Letty could potentially die and they could take the babies, use the use the blood from the baby because we know Christina is all about that all about that wonderful um birthing stuff <laughs> yeah birthing unholy creatures so i don't know we'll see it will be interesting popcorn ready yeah popcorn ready now we'll be on twitter again 9 p.m eastern live tweeting the season finale for lovecraft country uh this upcoming sunday uh was that october 18th no isn't it oh yeah yeah, yeah, it was yeah. the 11th. Whatever. Look, 
I'm sorry. I was stuck on New York Comic Con for the most for the entire weekend. I'm sorry for me losing dates. Okay. Sorry. One of us was doing what we we're supposed to do: attending a convention. Awkward silence. Yes. <laughs> And we will have to discuss the con at some point too that y'all didn't watch because you guys suck. That'll be the next episode of Three Hokages Podcast. Yes. And we're out. Water tribe out? No. Air tribe out? No. Water tribe out. Sorry. I think we're more of an Earth Nation. Not Bossing Say, but an Earth Nation. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I could be a firebender. Uh, maybe with the Zulus people. <laughs> <laughs> that's fine we saw how the entire thing was talking about fire the entire thing and claiming your fire and feeding your fire so let's go with that <laughs> I'll, I'll stay over here man in the cabbage cart yeah. <laughs> oh, I, ha- I have a good one no itch when I kick it cause it's pre old day When I spray, pull a three Hokage gate We on sight, think a nightmare, we move all ways It's hard to see three ninjas when they move on stage Now we're tuned of the sound of the new old age Bookworms more clever, the stakes is higher The stakes is higher, based on the day it's wire The culture ain't a case of day to day attire nah, Respect the frame, the man's is fire Pay comments, we can speak about us Pay homage, we can speak about us Pay homage, we can speak about us yeah.